What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. My name is Michael Falk, and I will actually not be hosting this episode. Instead, my wife, Lauren Falk, is going to be hosting and interviewing me. Lauren and I are going to talk about uh, low back pain and who it can affect, what are some of the reasons that your back can hurt, should you get imaging, and what are some of the things that you need to do to get your back feeling better. Low back pain is one of the most common injuries in any athlete or recreational athlete that we see. It can be nagging and annoying and scary to go through. I share some of my personal experiences as well as our treatment philosophy for dealing with low back pain. So whether you dealt with low back pain, whether you have a friend or a teammate or a family member that's dealt with low back pain, I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. My name is Dr. Lauren Falk, and I will be interviewing my husband, Dr. Michael Falk. Um, Today, we're going to discuss low back pain. This is a common thing that we treat often in our clinic, and we get a lot of questions about it, and so we figured we would shed some light on it. So I'm putting Michael to the test since I joke that he knows every ounce of research known to man in his brain. So I'm going to put him to the test and we'll see what he has to say. I don't think I have every ounce of research, but hopefully some useful tidbits on low back pain today. 99.9% of research is in your brain. <laughs> All right. So let's just start with who can get low back pain? Who do we see with low back pain? Yeah, this is kind of an easy one because um, literally anyone. <laughs> um, you know, if we look at it as a as a country, we're spending billions and billions of dollars within the medical system of managing and dealing with low back pain um, right now. And so, uh, you know, we can break low back pain into different types and we can kind of get into that. But the most common type is nonspecific low back pain. Um, and, you know, that could be anything from a, a young athlete that is growing and playing a lot of sports, starting to lift weights and maybe dealing with some back soreness to, Maybe the weekend warrior adult that uh, goes out and plays basketball or lifts weights or trains, but then they're sitting at a desk all day. Or uh, We see a lot of people that drive in cars as part of their job a lot, a lot of travel, having issues with low back pain. Golfers have a lot of issues with low back pain. Um, and then we get into some specific details of some specific injuries like a spondylolisthesis or something like that in youth athletes that might be more common in that population. Um, that's a little different than what we think of when we're just talking about generic back pain in the in the uh, population as a whole. So um, young, old, in between, uh, anybody can really, really deal with this. Yeah, I mean, I think about the age range of people I've seen in the last few months, and I have a 12-year-old tennis player up to an 82-year-old golfer. You know, so we, I have literally the spectrum of people and everyone in between every, we have, you know, college athletes that are dealing with it right now, um, and active adults that we're treating as well. So, you know, literally from 12 to 82, we got about 70 years covered there. And that's how many, that's who can get low back pain. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's certain sports or populations that might be more at risk theoretically, but um, I mean, I would say it is not like there's certain injuries, uh, take Tommy John surgery, where you can literally just uh, um, 
kind of reduce it down to like, if you don't play baseball and if you don't throw hard, you're almost never going to have that injury. That's not the case with low back pain. Um, yeah, we could pick and choose our sports and say golfers might have it a little bit more or um, like extension rotation athletes like volleyball players, baseball players, etc. But in our experience, it just isn't really the case. It could affect anybody at any sport um, at any time almost. Absolutely. So in our field, we commonly use the term nonspecific low back pain. What does that mean to the common person? Yeah, I mean, the, the name is, it's kind of lengthy, but it really um, represents what's going on well. It's just that the vast majority of low back pain in the world is nonspecific, meaning that there's not one thing, there's nothing quote unquote wrong within your back. We can't pinpoint it to this is the injury that you have. You're just dealing with this kind of pain in your low back and and maybe the imaging doesn't look that bad or we can't pin it down to like this one structure is causing this pain or um, you did this one thing and now your back hurts and there's something wrong with it. And so we, we lump that into this nonspecific low back pain. Um, that's going to be slightly different than um, there's certain things that have a specific diagnosis like I was talking about a a spondylolisthesis earlier, or a spondy as it's commonly called in younger extension-based athletes like gymnasts or baseball players. Um, that's a very common injury, and we your back does hurt, but we know why. There's a stress fracture in a specific part of your back, and so we, we understand exactly what's causing some of the symptoms and pain there versus um, with nonspecific, we might not know exactly what's causing it, we just know your back's hurting and you're not able to do your sports or your activities without pain. So with that nonspecific low back pain, what does that often feel like? Yeah, it's going to depend um, person to person. Um, more often than not, it is relatively localized um, pain where it's not, it's going to be in one um, section kind of in that lower back, maybe it's going a little bit out to your sides, kind of towards your flank or uh, maybe in your hip. But commonly, most commonly with nonspecific low back pain, we're not getting a lot of um, symptoms that are what we call radiating or moving down into your legs um, or moving into other parts of your body, into your butt, um, things like that. Most commonly that pain is staying relatively local in that low back region there are going to be exceptions to that as a um, there are a lot of nerves there and nerves can be tricky and um, something that's a little bit inflamed might irritate a nerve that might cause some symptoms somewhere else but um, if we're going to talk kind of generally about most things it stays local in that low back um, outside of that it's going to depend person to person people may have sharp pain with specific movements um, people may just have kind of a dull ache that's always there some people will get relief when they're laying down. Other people will find um, laying down and sleeping at night is one of the hardest things that they can do, and they feel way better when they're standing up. And an interesting thing is we'll often find that patients will have like a, a positional preference or a movement preference where some people will have a lot more pain when they arch their back, and some, more, some people will have much more pain when they start like rounding their back or going to touch their toes. And vice versa and there's no real clear cause and or reason for for why um, it's just something that we notice a lot of times that um, certain things might re certain positions might really 
make somebody feel really good, those same positions might irritate somebody else that theoretically, quote unquote, is still dealing with the same low back pain diagnosis. Yeah. And I would say even, you know, the difference between people like that and people of a very specific diagnosis is even just as you ask them, where is their pain or what, where did they feel their pain? People with like a stress fracture will point with one finger in a very specific spot. And people with non-specific pain tend to be a little bit more broad, broader space. Rarely do I see the one finger say this one very teeny tiny spot is what's bothering me. Yeah. It tends to be in a more of a mass effect than a very specific site. Yeah, I would agree. But I'd also say that it is different because some people have pain on both sides yeah. or just kind of general. Some people just have pain on one side, like the right side of my low back or the left side over here out towards my hip a little bit more, right. um, those types of things. And I think that's what's hard when we talk about low back pain and, and uh, sometimes interpreting what's going on and can be scary for people is, um, you know, you can talk to your friend and they had low back pain yeah. and they'll tell you this horror story about what happened and your back hurts worse than they said theirs did. So now you feel like something's really wrong and um, every person's just so unique um, and every case is just really different. Absolutely. I totally agree. So if my back hurts, could something be seriously wrong? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> theoretically, yes. Um, however, you know, more times than not. Yeah. Typically, if something, like if you were in a car accident or you um, were picking up a thousand pounds off the ground or you were, you know, doing something where there's a lot of stress, uh, Yes, theoretically, something could be really wrong, but more often than not, that's not the case. And I think what's um, what's tricky with low back pain is that the level of pain does not necessarily correlate with the significance of what is going on. And I'll use myself as an example. I, uh, last August, was working out in the basement in the morning and I wasn't even doing an exercise. I was putting away a 15 pound dumbbell, um, just off the floor, back into the rack, like not, I think that I, I'd lifted much heavier that day. And, and, uh, but for whatever reason, this one movement, I felt something tighten up in my back and, um, I was able to kind of finish my workout, but I had to be a little ginger with it. And as I kept going, I kind of felt okay. Well, we had a charity golf event that day that I decided to go to because by the time noon came around when we were going to go play, um, I'd felt better. Well, but I went to start warming up and hitting bo golf balls in the range before we played. And by the time I finished, I literally couldn't stand up. Um, I had to like use my hands to walk myself up my legs. And I was, I've never been so miserable. Um, it's the only day since we've opened our clinic in the last four years that I canceled my patients because I wasn't able to, I literally wasn't able to work. Um, I couldn't, I mean, my, you had to help me get out of bed in the morning. That's how bad it hurt. Um, and I spent about a full day on the couch, um, just in, in misery and everything in my internal, you know, being felt like something serious was wrong because I, I don't think I've ever been in that much pain. Um, if I hadn't gone to physical therapy school and learned what I know about low back pain, 
it took all of my willpower to keep telling myself that nothing's wrong. It was a 15 pound dumbbell and you were an idiot and went and swung some golf clubs, even though your back was a little tight and like, this is your fault, but nothing's wrong. It just, <laughs> it just hurts right now, but it'll be fine in a couple of days. Um, and I just had to keep repeating that to myself over and over again, because I would have, I would have sworn up and down that I needed to go to the ER, that I need to get an MRI, that I need to get medicine or surgery or something because I've never had that level of pain. I've never been able to not stand up and move around my house and get in and out of chairs or in and out of bed without someone helping me. And it, it was honestly really scary despite knowing what I know. And, and uh, I think that that's kind of one of the morals of the story is that the level of pain does not necessarily correlate with the significance of the injury. And that's one of the hard things about managing this condition uh, with patients is, is some people that have relatively minor pain could theoretically have, you know, a quote unquote, like bigger issue in their low back structurally. And other people that have just this intense, crazy pain might actually not be that bad. And it's hard to sort of sort through for people and providers um, who, which category things fall into. So for the person who doesn't have the physical therapy brain that you do, um, when should they get help for their back pain? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's an interesting question. Um, and it's going to depend on the person and their unique circumstances. Um, our dog, Ryder, in the background apparently has a, um, some input on, uh, on this, if you can hear him barking. Um, but in terms of when to get help, I think it also depends who you're talking to about getting help. Um, you know, if your back hurts from it's the first time and it's relatively minor and just localizing your low back and maybe you just golfed the day before for the first time in a year or you helped somebody move and you're carrying a lot of furniture or something and your low back's tight, you know, honestly, I don't really think you need to go see anybody right off the bat. Um, you really just need to kind of keep moving and, and it'll probably feel better within a couple of days. And when you look at the research, almost all low back pain, if you just didn't do anything, if you just sort of kept going with your normal routine within about six to eight weeks, 95% of the time that low back pain is going to go away um, almost by itself. And, um, and that's really, if you don't do anything with that, um, you know, without any other type of intervention or, or even seeing anyone like a physical therapist or chiropractor, just, just sort of what we call is like natural history. Just if you're patient enough, it will go away. Now, many people don't want to wait six to eight weeks for that low back pain to go away. I mean, um, let's take golfers in Wisconsin, for example. Um, that's almost our entire entire golf season, right? Um, I hope not, but uh, it, it's a big chunk of summer up here. So people that are doing things outside in the summer, they're not willing to wait that long. They want to try to do something to speed that process up. And that's where potentially seeing somebody um, could be helpful there. Um, I think another area is if you're ever getting nerve symptoms. So um, once it gets outside of just localized to that low back, um, you know, that's something that could it doesn't, again, mean that something serious is wrong, but probably something if you're feeling pain radiating down into your legs uh, might be worth definitely getting checked out. Numbness, tingling, things like that. 
If you ever feel like you can't feel a section of your legs, you're getting like a lot of muscle weakness in a section of your legs, that's always something that we'd want to go get checked out, especially if it's on both sides and not just one side. Um, that would you know be something that we'd definitely recommend, not even probably coming into our office right off the bat, but getting into a, um, some type of MD's office. Um, I'm trying to think of other kind of guidelines on, on when you might... Uh, want to get help. Uh, a big one would be if you're having pain at night a lot, where it's almost worse when you're just sleeping um, or in the middle of the night, it's waking you up out of a sleep. That's something, again, that you'd want to get looked at sooner rather than later. Because when we think about this nonspecific low back pain, typically it's activity related. Again, when you arch your back, it hurts. Or when you rotate in one direction, it hurts. Um, but often if you do things away from that painful spot, that back will start to feel better. We're able to make changes. We're able to kind of make progress in that way. Um, things that wake you up in the middle of the night when you're not really doing anything, that's a kind of a red flag for us that something else might be going on and it's not just this nonspecific um, low back pain. So those would be some guidelines, but you know, if in doubt, there's it's never wrong to go and talk to somebody. Um, you know, we have a free consult at our, our clinic. There's a lot of other physical therapists or chiropractors as well that um, that you can meet with. Um, I would tr really try to stay out of urgent care in the emergency rooms unless it's something that's just so bad that um, you really can't function. Like you can't walk, stand, you know, get up. Like that's what that's designed for. But I would really encourage you to kind of seek primary care or help outside of like an MD's office initially. Um, like for us, if somebody comes in, we, we have a screening process that we run every, every patient through to make sure that they're appropriate and that we can actually help them. And if we think they need to be in a doctor's office, we'll get them referred right away. Um, and it can be a good resource just to get started as you're sorting through some of these things. Absolutely. So um, when I'm experiencing you know, this more significant back pain and things like that, should I get an MRI of my back then? Yeah, so MRIs are kind of the world of MDs still in Wisconsin that they're going to um, be looking for or being able to order those and interpreting those. And, and uh, so outside of my wheelhouse, but what I would say anecdotally and, and from the literature is there is, again, not a huge correlation between the significance of an injury on MRI and the symptoms that a patient is experiencing. And so we've had um, like patients that get an MRI for something else in the region of their low back, and there'll be an incidental finding that they have a, a small disc herniation that isn't giving them low back pain at all. Vice versa, we'll have other patients that have excruciating low back pain and the MRI comes back normal. We had an example about, I don't know, 18 months ago or two years ago now, where we had a professional baseball player that um, had low, what we thought was relatively minor low back pain uh, because his team just wanted to get it checked out just to make sure he had an image done of that low back pain. And he had one of the largest, largest disc herniations that any of the physicians had ever seen on an image. It didn't correlate with his symptoms whatsoever. Um, he had very little nerve inter like symptoms. He honestly was like as a normal human being was functioning quite fine other than he was a professional athlete that was like pushing his body to the limit and so it bothered him with some of those things but if he was just a guy like me or you um or lady um 
he probably wouldn't have been in any physical therapist's office because his day-to-day life was good, yeah, but he, he had this well. yeah. he had this huge disc. Um, and so I think that's just a good example that that imaging can be useful and might be important in certain instances. It can also add a level of confusion at times and uh, fear to patients that something bad will show up on the image, even though they are starting to feel better. So um, when we, if a patient asks us about imaging just generically, we always recommend that they follow their doctor's advice. But the other piece of advice that we give them is if you want to get the image, you should be willing to do something about it. If it shows it sh- like your pain should be bad enough that you would do something about it if the image so- showed something. So um, you should be ready to like, if the image shows something that should be fixed surgically or should have an injection into it, um, your pain should be bad enough that you're willing to do that intervention. If you're not, if it's not bothering you that bad and you just want information or something, it's yeah. really not worth it. it. And it can almost cloud decisions more than anything else. Well, and there's a study about if you image a large portion of the adult population between like backs and knees, you would find that like three quarters or more of the population all has something going on inside their body, but not all of them are showing symptoms of those things that would have been found on image. So like you have to take these things with a grain of salt that, you know, we're all aging. We're all breaking down somewhere in all of this. So you're going to probably find something. It's just whether it's truly problematic for you or not is the conversation point and is it affecting your function in daily life and do you want to intervene like you said yeah so. no absolutely so i mean at times mris are really important yes but more and as a often, provider it gives us good information as we are making some treatment decisions at times yeah. but you know that's a different angle yeah more often than not they can add confusion especially if we're talking about relatively i don't want to say minor because the pain might be significant but been bothering you for a week or 10 days or two weeks it's not going down to your legs it's just not going to give you a lot of it's not going to help anything really so so what are a few of the biggest myths that you see surrounding low back pain wow we could do a whole podcast probably just on (laughs) myths surrounding low back pain um i think the i'm gonna tackle a couple one is that if your back hurts you just need to rest um, because i think that's something that we see quite a bit is yeah. like, oh, your back hurts. Just don't, don't move. Just go lay in bed, go lay on the couch. Just mm-hmm. don't do anything to do this. You're going to like make it worse. And that's just typically not true. Um, I'm not saying that if you hurt your back moving a refrigerator, that you should then keep moving the rest of the furniture in your house, right? Like, <laughs> But there is a difference between like, I'm going to keep picking up heavy weights or large objects and just totally ignoring the pain that's going on. And I'm just going to lay in bed and literally not move because I'm worried about um, hurting my back more. And so um, rest is just honestly the like complete rest is just the worst thing that you could possibly do if your back just started bothering you. It will make everything so much worse and it will just prolong um, your recovery and it can really make this into a long-term like big issue with a lot of fear around the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of them. Um, the second thing that we will see is like that lifting weights is what caused my back to hurt. Um, or we could fill in the blank here with like, I was using bad forms, so my back hurt, or I was, uh, 
I mean, we could just keep going on with like these myths of what can cause low back pain. And the fact is that it would be awesome if it was that simple. If we could just say like, oh, yeah, you were doing deadlifts with this technique and therefore your back now hurts. We could, we would retire and own a private island somewhere if we could solve low back pain that simply. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact is that part of that nonspecific aspect of low back pain is that there is not one known cause and one known thing that contributes to that. And so deadlifts did not cause your back to hurt. Playing golf did not necessarily in and of itself cause your back to hurt. Um, Keep going with kind of myth that you've heard that this is going to hurt your back. It's probably not true in isolation. Um, You know, yes, potentially lifting weights that are too heavy with bad technique will put more stress through that low back region that might contribute to low back pain, but it's not as simple as that's the cause. Um, Same thing with like, yes, golf. A lot of golfers deal with right-sided low back pain. It's not necessarily just playing golf that does it. It's a combination of perhaps their hip mobility is impaired or their upper back mobility is impaired, or maybe they have a, a kind of flaw in their swing technique that puts more stress on their low back. And they also sit a lot at work and then they... Um, don't sleep in a good position and they don't regularly exercise and so you could come up it's this litany of factors that all combine and then might result in this non-specific low back pain but it's never as simple as just one thing and so i think as a whole um, there's a lot of myths around what causes low back pain and most of those are if it's just one thing most of those are false Yeah, just summary is it's cumulative stress. All these things add up like years of sitting at a desk job with poor posture, years of like there's so many like all these things and all those things adding up onto it. What activity were you or not do were you doing or not doing during that time? Like what is your what is your sport and activity look like? All of those things. Do you lift heavy things around the house? Like there's so many things that come into play that like you're saying, there's just never one thing i mean in case in point like our baseball player like he'd been doing a lot of stuff over time with no pain like so we couldn't even guess you know where in the world this thing came from like it you know but you do a lot of things over time and who knows anything's possible um yeah i mean we could even get into like if you're an older recreationally active adult now did you have low back pain when you're in high school doing stuff like that potentially predisposes you um so it's just it's just too multifactorial Mm -hmm. and um, we just see too many things get blamed like crossfit causes your back to hurt or deadlifting causes your back to hurt golf causes your back to hurt no none of those are true like (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't work like that so okay so we know that non-specific low back pain can happen to a lot of people we know that there's not really one specific cause to it and that there's this whole broad spectrum of how things occur and what I should do. So from your perspective, from the physical therapy's perspective, what are some of the keys to managing and treating something that is this broad? Yeah. So um, the a key foundational element, and it's not that impressive or sexy or whatever, but it's really education. It's a lot of what we're sharing on this podcast today. Uh, initially, There's just so much fear around low back pain because everybody knows somebody that had low back pain and their back hurt for three years and and now 
periodically they quote unquote throw their low back out and they end up on the couch for a week. And so every time if somebody's never had back pain before, they there's this fear around it. The same token is somebody that has this prolonged history of back pain where it's like once a year, twice a year, once every three months, or some people once a week, right? They Their back gets quote unquote thrown out or locks up or starts hurting, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of fear every time that happens. And there's a lot of fear um, just going forward and starting to move again and do some of these things around that low back hurting, starting to hurt again. And so the first thing is really educating our athletes and clients on kind of everything that we've talked about, that the level of pain does not mean that something's structurally wrong with your back, that, um, you know, this will get better over time, that you're not going to end up on bed rest for the rest of your life with a, with a low back uh, that won't let you do these things. And so um, there's just a lot of education as kind of a key first element. Yeah, to help trust the process that they're about to go through. Yeah, exactly. Um, the second thing that we try to do as soon as we can is get people moving um, and, and not just resting. And this doesn't mean that we're going to do everything all in one day. Like if you hurt your back deadlifting or that's what, quote unquote, like when your back started to hurt. Again, it's not the deadlift's fault, but um, <laughs> it is, you know, we're maybe not going to go do that on day one. Uh, but it might be as simple as getting people up and going for a walk or getting on a bike and going for a bike. Um, again, a lot of patients or athletes might have a specific preference. So some people might feel a lot better when they bend their back and a lot worse when they arch their back or vice versa. Um, we'll find things that they can do that don't hurt. And so again, or like very slowly help reintroduce those movements into a non-threatening way. Yeah, exactly. So using my own like experience from last year, um, I found that I could start doing some little pelvic tilts kind of on the floor. I would walk my hands <laughs> up my legs to get standing. And then I could do like a little RDL hip hinge type movement. I couldn't, I mean, maybe I'd move three or four inches the first rep. But as I kept going, I would start to be able to go a little farther without pain. Um, and then I found I couldn't do a squat, but if I used my hands on the counter or like the back of a couch to kind of support myself and help with manage my center of gravity and balance, I could kind of gradually start doing a little bit more of a squat. And then I could, I could walk not super fast because I couldn't really like rotate or move my legs that quickly, but I could sort of waddle um, down the driveway. Um, and so about every hour during that first two to four days, I would get up and I'd go through this little routine of just these small, simple movements that sucked the first rep, but by the end, I felt way better. And I do that almost every hour throughout the day um, just to start moving. So that's one example. So we just try to work with every every patient and we find at least one thing that they can do to start moving that they're comfortable with that helps them feel better that gives them power over their pain like i can do this thing and my back feels better and that's like a huge mindset shift for them of i don't just need to lay on the couch or lay in bed but i need to go um i i can do this thing and i'm in control of my pain i'm not i'm not a victim to my back i can 
do this and make my back feel better. And that can really start to shift like how the recovery process is gonna go. The next step from there is we look at what might have contributed contributed to this. And again, I'm not gonna say cause because it's not that simple, but if it's a golfer, I'm always gonna be looking at um, having poor hip rotation increases the risk of developing low back pain in golfers or having poor thoracic spine mobility or um, is going to increase the risk of that. Um, we could pick other sports and, and look at some of the important movements, but we're going to go through the, the whole body as a system and look at are there areas that we could optimize or improve the function of, whether it be strength or mobility at these areas around their back. Um, the next thing we're going to do is some type of core work. This is going to look different for different people, but kind of strengthening the muscles and movements around the back, depending on what they want to do. And then finally, it's going to be figuring out what they still can do to train as they get moving a little bit better. So uh, maybe they don't feel comfortable putting a barbell on their back if they're a weightlifter, but maybe they feel okay doing a little lighter goblet squat. Uh, Maybe they're not ready to do a deadlift off the floor, but we might be able to start putting in some weights in their hand and doing an RDL. Maybe they're just only ready to do uh, body weight strengthening in their lower body, but they could lift weights with their upper body. They can bench press or they can do rows and that feels okay. So we kind of go with everyone based on their goals and their needs and what else they're doing. We try to start um, kind of reintroducing these activities in gradual ways and getting them back to um, those sports. So um, if it's a rotational athlete, we start adding rotational stability through their core and then their ability to actually control rotation and slow patterns and then eventually we'll get them really speeding up and throwing some med balls and rotating and building some confidence that that back is feeling better Um, and we kind of go through that process very individualized based on um, each person what their needs are and what their goals are though so after doing all that we get back to function get back to working out doing the activities that you enjoy so the big question is can it come back I mean, yes, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, the biggest risk factor for a future injury is a past injury. Um, and doesn't mean it will, but you are more predisposed, if you will, of what happened uh, or of it happening again. We really recommend that everyone has some type of maintenance plan once they kind of go through this, uh, you know, like a quote unquote, like spinal hygiene type program. Uh, and like a good solid strength conditioning program will really help reduce the risk of it coming back. But it does have a, uh, it does have that possibility. We um, think one of the things that can be really powerful after working with us, at least is that you're going to know a lot of the education that we went through the last time. So if you do feel your back getting tight, now you're going to know, okay, I can't just sit on the couch or lay in bed all day and eat Cheetos. I need to go for a walk. I need to, do this stretch that helped me feel better last time. I need to stay active and do this. And we'll find that athletes almost like self-manage this, these little minor aches and tweaks that'll pop up without ever needing to go in and see another medical provider because they kind of know what to do. Um, now, vice versa, sometimes it's just, it, it can come back and you have to come in and get help and go through that same process again. But, you know, I, we still think the education part and the fear won't be the same because you, you've you kind of gone through it once. I'll, I'll again share my own story with this again. I, I periodically will my, I'll almost start feeling like it's coming 
on again. Like I can almost feel that um, area. That area. Like I'll be working out and it won't hurt, and I'll finish my workout and I won't really feel anything. But it's like I'll wake up the next morning and I can just I can't even describe exactly what it is. It's almost like a it's like a precursor where I feel this one spot that gets tight, and so it'll just be a little reminder to me of okay, these were the things that helped me last time. Let me really double down on spending a little extra time in my warm up to work out or at night while I'm kind of relaxing, like doing some of these little low level things and getting back on top of it so that it doesn't progress and get a lot worse. And that's been something that's really helped me as being able to get ahead of it a little bit more and not just having to react to it when I can't stand up anymore. So yes, unfortunately I would love to tell you the great advertising and great sales if we could just say like we'll fix your back pain forever and it will never come back that's not reality Um, but I do think we can really arm athletes and clients with knowledge that they can take forward and use to manage it in the future so it's not as scary as devastating doesn't last as long yeah I couldn't agree more and Every time it starts to come on, I see the routine come back. So I could tell you firsthand how the routine goes. And in all honesty, too, like we talk about the back hygiene and we joke about this, but like I joke, like as I get older, like my rehab has to become my warm up. Like you just have to know that, like, if you want to do really dynamic things, which is incredibly important for you to do, because that's what combats aging is by getting strong, being strong, staying strong. Um, and active and moving as much as possible because if you don't use it you lose it but it does take a little bit more effort on the front end to prepare your body to do those things but that's the difference of like adding five minutes to your workout it's not we're not asking you to do like a half an hour of things in order to be ready but doing that five minutes every day before you do what you need to do goes such a long way yeah no, absolutely. And I was with somebody last night um, at an event that asked me, um, like when I play, I play a good amount of golf in the summer. And he was saying like, how do you, how do you play as frequently as you do and not have your back bother you? And Lauren's laughing at how frequently I play golf in the summer. <laughs> but, um, and one of the big things is that I do keep working out. I do, I don't only play golf. I don't drop my routine. I continue to train. I warm up on the driving range before I hit. I do stuff at night or the day before. And people always ask me like, what's my routine? And quite frankly, I'm happy to share it, but I also give the full disclosure and disclaimer that my routine probably is not what you need. It's, it's what I found that works for me that makes me feel better. And, uh, Honestly, I couldn't totally explain why it helps even. (laughs) There's aspects that don't, from a physical therapy standpoint, don't make perfect sense. Um, But it's been something that it does work. Like when I start feeling that little spot come on, I do these series of exercises um, and that spot goes away. And I don't, for me, that's good enough. I don't have to, well... I, would, I wish I could explain better exactly why it works and what I'm feeling and what I'm doing, but this gets back into that nature of it's nonspecific. Um, even though I feel it in that one spot, it's not that there's an injured area there. It's just that's where I'm feeling it. And so um, in the same way that my nonspecific like, back treatment program, I don't know what it's actually doing, 
but my back feels better and it doesn't hurt after I do it. And so um, it works for me. And that's really what uh, we work with with patients is to develop that for them. And there is an element of trial and error. Like, okay, I will fall back on, I will try this routine with patients sometimes that look like I did because it helped me. Sometimes one of the things that helps me makes their pain worse. Okay, we're going to not do that exercise. We're going to sub in something else. And so um, that's where it is just really individualized based on each person and, and what helps them. Absolutely. So. I agree. It's a, it's a, I, like you're saying, you're at a group and people go, oh, well, how do you fix low back pain? You're like, that is the world's biggest question known to man because it is literally different for every person that we treat. No one, rarely is one low back pain treatment the exact same as the next person. So, it is, that's not, if you're ever at a party, don't ask a physical therapist that question because well, <laughs> they might walk away. Yeah. And if you go to, a, if you ever go to a provider and they tell you that they have the perfect program and answer to solve your low back pain, like run, like don't walk, <laughs> no, but run. Yeah. Um, because we'll be, full, we're, we're very upfront with all our low back pain clients. Like it's a process. It's a little bit of a trial and error. It's going to be individualized. We're going to try some stuff that helps. We might try some stuff that makes it worse. We won't repeat that and we'll learn from that, but there's going to be ups and downs and, and there is going to be, a, it's not going to be a perfect line to, to constant improvement. And if you, you know, you, you are going to have this risk of it coming back. It's not like a permanent fix. And so, um, yeah, if you walk in someone somewhere and they've got, you know, the quote unquote low back program and they guarantee your low back will never bother you again. Um, yeah, that's, that's not somewhere you want to be. Yeah. So. Yeah, research would not side with them. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate um, all of you taking time and investing the time in learning about low back pain. And hopefully you learned a few things, um, whether you're currently experiencing it or just in the event that you should, that you have a thought process to be able to wrap your mind around what to expect and things that you can do. Um, so again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your experience. Happy to. <laughs> and helping everyone kind of... Um, put this out there so that way they can get a better understanding of what low back pain is and what they can do to help combat it. So thank you again for joining us. And we look forward to having you on another episode of the Milwaukee sports performance podcast.